0: Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co host in the studio today is Doug Wortham. And on today's show, we'll, we're going to get an update on Minnesota's Veterans Homes, check in with the Minnesota's Navy League, and talk with the Minnesota Patriot Guard. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey.
1: Your Minnesota National Guard is a unique military organization in that we have a dual role. Our chain of command includes both our governor and our president. We serve both overseas in combat roles and here at home in response to state emergencies. More than 13,000 strong, the soldiers and airmen of your Minnesota National Guard are based in more than 60 communities across our great state. From our Air National Guard units in Duluth and the Twin Cities to our Army National Guard units stationed in Rosemont, Bloomington, St. Paul, Camp Ripley, and elsewhere, the soldiers and airmen of your Minnesota National Guard live here, work here, and serve here. It is our mission to be a good community partners. We partner with local law enforcement agencies, schools, and an assortment of community organizations as part of our counter-drug program. In our role as Emergency Management Response Agency, we're prepared to protect Minnesota from any hostility, be it winter weather, floods, wildfires, civil unrest, or a pandemic. While I'm in the community, people often stop me to thank me for my service. I'm always humbled by that gesture of gratitude, but I'm also proud in the knowledge that the Minnesota National Guard is always ready to protect our community and always there to respond. Thank you.
0: Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Doug, we've got a special guest in the in the studio today, and we're going to talk about the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Joining us is Doug Hughes, who is the Deputy Commissioner of Veterans Health Care. Doug was appointed Deputy Commissioner of Veterans Health Care at the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs in July of 2016. In his role, he oversees operations for Minnesota's five state veterans homes and the health care division. And, of course, those current homes are located in Fergus Falls, Hastings, Laverne, Minneapolis, and Silver Bay. Doug, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio.
2: Thanks for having me back, Tom. It's
0: been a while, but it's great to be here. Doug, uh, want to dig back just a little bit. Uh, you're
2: a veteran? Yes, sir. i um, retired with over 20 years on active duty. And which service were you in? I was in the Army and spent the majority of my time in uh, Army Special Forces.
0: And then uh, how long you have been? Uh, you have been the Deputy Commissioner since 2016? Is that when you joined the MDVA?
2: Correct. It was July of 2016, and uh, it's been a very uh, enjoyable but challenging uh, five and a half years.
0: And uh things got uh, even more challenging the last couple of years with this worldwide pandemic. Uh, I'm sure that had a, a ill effect on your on your on your homes.
2: Well, I mean um, uh, we were challenged that's for sure. Um, and we did have some uh, negative outcomes just like any long-term care uh, facility in the in the country or the world. But uh, thankfully with the senior leadership team that we have and the great staff, administrators, nursing staff, uh, we fared, uh, we fared very well.
0: Now, Doug, we were talking earlier, and I understand that at uh, the, the Minneapolis Veterans Home, they they did better than very well.
2: Uh, correct. Um, they came out in uh, Newsweek uh, magazine, and there was another company associated with it, a, a data collection team, and uh, Minneapolis Veterans Home was named uh, one of the top uh, nursing homes in the country, and we're very proud of that. And another one of your homes up north did pretty well, too. Correct. The Silver Bay Veterans Home recently had a a survey. They haven't had a a state survey in the last two years, and they were found deficiency-free. So that's that's wonderful news.
0: Great work, and uh, nothing like getting through a tough time like the pandemic and coming out on top. Good work, Doug.
2: Like I said, great senior leadership and great staff that we have in all the homes. Now, Doug,
0: uh, the pandemic and, and a lot of other things have led almost every employer to be out looking for people. And I understand you are, too. And uh, it's my understanding that in last November, the governor kicked off an initiative to train 1,000 Minnesotans to become certified nursing assistants. Is this is, is this primarily to help uh, our Minnesota veteran, uh, veterans' homes?
2: Not primarily, um, but it is used for... Um... Uh, nursing homes or long-term care in general across the state. Um, The effort uh, is a great effort. Uh, Anything helps. If we can get uh, a a 1,000 new uh, certified nursing assistants in the state, that would be great. It's a great start. I think the effort and the communications that have gone along with that have done a lot uh, to spark interest in working in long-term care.
0: And Doug, I understand that a, a lot of your soldiers are filling a, a gap in in the in the healthcare area by uh, taking some training to become uh, certified nursing assistants themselves.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, just another great example of how members of the Minnesota Guard, both on the Army side and on the Air side, are able to step up and fill in the need for. Uh, our community, our state, and of course, the overall federal mission as well so it 's always great to to see our soldiers and airmen doing great things and uh, really setting the stage and setting the standard for uh for everybody in the nation
0: yeah you know, and I saw an article about that that a couple of uh, your weekend uh, soldiers and airmen that took that training are actually applying for full time jobs after they did that <laughs> so that they can stay in that profession.
3: yeah, what a great uh, lead into it right to get this training, you come to the need of uh of the community. And then you find out that you've got a skill set that falls right in line with, uh, uh, with of course, what's, what's needed and, and you like it. And uh, and why not go into a
0: full-time position with it? We've been speaking with Doug Hughes, the Deputy Commissioner of Veterans Health Care on Minneapolis, Mil- uh, Minnesota Military Radio. Now, Doug, uh, certified nursing at- uh, assistants, uh, it's great to have uh, the military, the Guard here in Minnesota, filling in and helping Uh, But this is something that you need now and you're going to need in the
2: future. Absolutely. There there is a health care worker shortage uh, in everywhere, but specifically in long-term care. And we have that same situation in our veterans' homes in Minnesota. And we're really looking uh, to really um, expand our training across the state. Uh, I know the state has that initiative uh, so that um, when you you can have uh, free tuition, free books, free uniforms. Uh, everything, is, everything is free. And as um, the other Doug here mentioned, um, once you work in the field, especially long-term care, there's so many people who go, get into that field and they find that that's their niche and they will never want to leave. We have many employees who are 20- and 30-year employees uh, working as certified nursing assistants.
0: Now, these uh, folks you're trying to train, this 1,000 Minnesotans that the governor and the commissioner are trying to attract. Are those, uh, I would guess, those are very good full-time permanent positions with the Minnesota Department
2: of Veterans Affairs, good career jobs? Well, working for the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, especially the homes, I can't think of a better place to work. But, yes, um, we, um, we, we're we we looking for all of those positions across the state. Um, we have, as I mentioned before, all the training opportunities We have um, some of the best pay. I know we have some of the best uh, uh, staffing ratios. So if you currently work in that field, our staffing ratios are good. The Minnesota state benefits are excellent. There really isn't any reason why you shouldn't at least check out uh, careers.org and look for Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. And we call them human services technicians and look that up and give us a try.
0: Now, Doug, you've been working on this uh, with the governor's uh, support for about three months now. How's How's it
4: going?
2: Well, it's, it's, it's going very well. Um, we have, uh, Simone Hogan's senior director. She's actually on the, um, on that task force. And right now, uh, we understand that there's about 822 adults who've signed up for the program and 338 high school age. That's a very good start, but it's one of those things that you just have to continue to build on and to just keep working at it because there will always be a need.
0: So for our listeners all over Minnesota, if they're interested in a a career as a certified nursing assistant, where do they find out more information
2: again? They should go to mdva.org, or they can go to careers uh, for the state of Minnesota and look for those positions. Gentlemen, we have to take a short
0: break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Doug Hughes, the Deputy Commissioner of Veterans Healthcare here in Minnesota on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co-host in the studio today is Doug Wortham, and we've been speaking with Doug Hughes, who is the Deputy Commissioner of Veterans Healthcare for the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. And we've been talking about uh, Governor Walz uh, announced in last November a new initiative to recruit, train, and deploy at least 1,000 new cer- uh, certified nursing assistants for the Minnesota long-term care facilities experiencing staffing shortage, which, which I think they all are, and... Uh, Doug Hughes, uh, Commissioner Herkey, and and the governor have a long history of working together and solving problems, and this is just another example, isn't it?
2: Uh, yes, it's another example. It's 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 really a- across the state, and it's 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 across um, uh, uh, private, public, a- and state entities that we're really trying to boost uh, these thousand plus um, certified nursing assistants. Uh, but to meet this goal, the state uh, is partnering with training programs across Minnesota to offer uh, the CNA uh, training programs. And as I mentioned before, everything is free. Um, once trained, uh, certified nursing assistants are eligible for employment at long-term care facilities across the state. But as I mentioned previously, the best place to work is at the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs.
0: And that's an unbiased opinion uh, from the deputy commissioner. Absolutely, <laughs> come and try us out.
3: You know, Doug, I'd like to just jump in real quick here. Um, of course, you know, we talk about the importance of adding, um, you know, to that thousand, right? Getting there, but. There's more coming for the uh, state homes that you're in charge of, and it doesn't need to stop or it can stop at that thousand. There's going to be more requirements coming on because I understand you're going to be expanding a little bit, and you've got three new homes that they'll be opening soon, and you'll start filling for those positions too, won't you?
2: Correct. Um, as, as has been mentioned in other shows, we're opening three new veterans' homes. They're already under construction. They're in Bemidji, Montevideo, and Preston. Uh, we're going to start hiring for some of the senior leadership positions uh, sometime about this summer. Uh, and then after that, uh, we'll be hiring incrementally as we go along. And in the clo- as the closer we get to um, actually admitting residents, that's when those direct care staff will begin to be hired and trained.
3: Yeah, so 1,000 is the minimum right now, but we want to keep on going because we're going to have that need. We want to fill uh, our veterans' homes with the best care possible, and uh, I, I think that this is a great initiative to move forward with, especially when you're saying free.
2: Correct. And, you know, when when um, when we're talking about uh, employees, we're going to need over 500 employees at the three new veterans' homes, and the majority of those are certified nursing assistants.
0: But in addition to them, you're going to need some nurses and, and some
2: janitorial and some maintenance. and You're going to need the whole gamut. We're going to need everything from uh, administrator, director of nursing, business office, finance, um, housekeeping, maintenance, facilities, engineers, absolutely everything.
0: And just to be clear, uh, we're talking about certified nursing assistants today because you need them in your other homes and you will need them in the new three. But my guess is you're hiring uh, for other positions in in your existing homes today as well.
2: We're always hiring uh, for uh, many positions have been open for a while and we have um, a very uh, strong marketing campaign that's coming up fairly soon. And we'd like to really emphasize that. Please look for announcements. I know uh, that we've been on LinkedIn for a long time, and we're looking for other venues. We've been on Facebook, uh, lots of other social media. Uh, please look for us, and as I said, give us a try. We're speaking
0: with Doug Hughes, the Deputy Commissioner of Veterans Healthcare on Minnesota Military Radio. Now, Doug, uh, I, we've covered over the last few years uh, all the efforts that went into getting federal and state funding for these three new homes. And as you said, they're going to be in Bemidji, Montevideo, and Preston part of the reason that you wanted to have additional homes out around the state is so that if if our veterans need that kind of care, they can be as close to their families as possible. Is that correct?
2: Absolutely, Tom. Um, Our goal, I think if you look at the new map of the the current veterans' homes and the three proposed, there's a pretty good circle around the state of Minnesota. Our goal was to um, have uh, a veterans' home that was within a moderate amount of of driving time, because if we only had homes uh, uh, in various parts of Minnesota, that was really difficult and challenging for families to drive and visit. And I think one of the things that we learned during the pandemic is that isolation and not having family is one of the worst things that can happen.
0: Now, Doug, I understand that in addition to those five homes and preparing for for the next three, uh you you also have oversight of over sixty private nursing homes for veterans receiving VA funded nursing home care and oversight of over a hundred private home care agencies providing VA care. Is that in your partnership with the VA, and that's kind of an outlet when your homes are full. There's, there's still a way to take care of our veterans.
2: No, and and this is uh, this is uh, I, that's my former position when I worked at the Federal VA. That's when I worked under uh, Pat Kelly uh, and the Federal VA over there. But that's what really gave me my uh, very good education uh, for the position that I'm in right now.
0: And you, as as Deputy Commissioner of the MDVA, you partner closely with the VA to make sure that somehow or other we're taking care of veterans' needs.
2: Absolutely. Well, they fund us with per diem, and they also have oversight uh, of our of our facilities. They come in and survey us every single year. We work hand-in-hand. Hand. We have meetings with in 23 and with the uh, Extended Care and Rehab in Minneapolis on a regular basis.
0: And I think a lot of our listeners don't quite understand that the MDVA and the VA work so closely together that it's almost seamless.
2: Well, that's true, but trying to... Uh, uh, educate people on what's the difference between the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs and the federal VA uh, can be quite uh, challenging. It's a little fuzzy once in a while.
0: Uh, yes, very. Okay, we got a, just a few minutes left. Uh, can you walk us through the timeline? I understand that these uh, new homes are under construction, and sometime in 2023 you're expecting them to be completed?
2: Correct. And as everybody knows, construction uh, schedules uh, have changes in them. So sometime around the summer of 2023, um, the the homes will be completed. Uh, We're looking to hire approximately, uh, like I said, six months for the uh, senior positions and then gradually as we go along. But uh, we will be having announcements, community events, press releases, all those sort of things to make sure that everybody is aware, especially when it comes to admissions, because I know people want to know, when can my father or my mother go into the veterans' homes? And that's very important. We are focusing on that so that everybody has the opportunity to sign up when they want to sign up and to make sure that... the. They understand the admission process and everything that they're uh, eligible for when they go to the uh, one of the Minnesota Veterans Homes.
0: So, Doug, if we have listeners up in Bemidji that are hearing our show today and they think, gosh, that'd be a great place to work next year when that thing opens. Is it too early for them to, to start
2: looking into it? It's not too early to look into it. It's There's the um, applications uh, for those uh, positions, in the new veterans' homes aren't yet available. But you can certainly go to mdva.org and look at positions that are currently open at our, at our, our five veterans' homes, uh, either that or Careers Minnesota. Uh, you'll be able to find them there, and you'll be able to see the job, uh, the position descriptions, and be able to say, is this right for me? And hopefully it is.
0: Doug, we've got about a minute left. It looks like you're going to have a pretty interesting 12 to 15 months coming up, uh, coming forward here.
2: Uh, That's true. We have so much work that's being done. We're very fortunate with the staff that we have that are working on this right now. Uh, As things get closer to the opening, that's when things are going to get uh, a little bit more, um, I'll use the word again, challenging. But that's only the beginning once we open the door, we have to provide the same level of quality in the three veterans' homes uh, that we're opening as we do in the f- in, in the five current veterans' homes. That never stops. So uh, it may be difficult uh, or challenging at the beginning, but it never stops.
0: Very good, sir. I wish you a lot of luck opening them up, and uh, perhaps we can join you at one of the new openings of the uh, of the homes and uh, do a show from there and see that they look on paper like they're going to be pretty nice places.
2: And also, you can go to the Minnesota uh, Department of Veterans Affairs website, and we have cameras at each of the locations so that you can see the progress.
0: Very good, sir. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Doug. You bet. It was Doug Hughes on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Navy League, and uh, the U.S. Navy's is one of their newest ships coming up, the USS Minneapolis-St. Paul. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. and today's show, my co-host is Doug Wortham. And in a moment, we're going to have a special guest on to talk about the Navy League here in Minnesota and the upcoming commissioning of the USS Minneapolis-St. Paul. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now here's Commissioner Larry Herkey.
5: President's Day, also known as Washington's Birthday is the United States federal holiday that we celebrate each year. We celebrate in honor of President George Washington, our country's first president. George Washington was also the Commander-in-Chief of the Continental Army during the Revolutionary War. He was a compassionate military leader whose courage and determination inspired his troops. His refusal to quit or give up made the difference between victory and defeat on more than one occasion. General Washington was devoted to the well-being of his troops. His convictions and his hope for a free nation empowered him to influence those around him in a powerful way. He not only voiced his influence, he lived it and he exemplified it through his actions with purpose, passion, and bravery. As with Memorial Day and Veterans Day, President's Day allows us another opportunity to honor our country's veterans. On President's Day, we pay tribute to the brave and audacious Commander-in-Chief George Washington and celebrate all U.S. presidents, past and present.
0: Thank you, Commissioner Herkey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Doug, for our listeners that might not know, you spent a career in the in the Army National Guard and ended up as the States Command Sergeant Major. Are you mentally prepared to talk about the United States Navy?
3: As uh, ready as I'll ever be, I mean, it's bad enough, I guess, uh, having to, you know, fly and understand that people jump out of perfectly good airplanes. But then to be out in the middle of this wide, massive ocean in a ship that seemed just tiny in comparison, I, I don't know. How do you prepare for that?
0: Well, if you, if you have trouble, just make a noise and, and uh, my guest and I will take care of you. Because joining us now is Brian Scott, <laughs> who is the current chair of the Minnesota Navy League's USS Minneapolis St. Paul LCS-21 Commissioning Committee, and Vice President for Events. Brian, welcome back to Minnesota Military
6: Radio. Thanks, Tom. Always good to be here.
0: Well, it's going to be tough today because you've got Air Force here and you got Army there, and we're going to talk about water and boats and ships. One team, one fight. There you go. And, and we can do that. Now, before we get started on the new ship that's going to be commissioned, I want to know about the, the old boat, the USS Minnesota. How many years ago was it we were at that commissioning out of Norfolk? September seventh, twenty thirteen.
6: Oh my! Where did the time go? Uh, where did the time go? And after uh, you know, post commissioning maintenance, she's done three deployments. Three deployments and changed commanders and crews. And... She's on her fourth commander right now. Commander Brad Bowden is uh, is a son of uh, uh, son and grandson of two admirals. So he's got a legacy. So he understands water. He understands water. the The irony is both of those guys were aviators in the Navy, and he's a sub. Sub guy.
0: Well, he must have fell far, a little far off of that branch. That tree. well,
6: he told me last week that there's been some family discussions where there's been some needling.
0: <laughs> well, if between he's the commander of a two billion dollar platform that can do amazing things. Yeah. So I'm sure he's he can trump their cards somewhere. Sure. Yeah. Now you were just out to to visit the USS Minnesota.
6: Yeah, after the after the you know the COVID situation, but more importantly, it really had to do with uh, the deployment schedules and the workups. I finally got out to uh, to meet Commander Bozen and the chief of the boat Brad Hirschberger. It, it's Brad Bozen and Brad Hirschberger. Go figure, a lot of Brad's out there. And it's and- an award winning. Boat. It's an award-winning boat, and um, they won in the 2019 uh, timeframe the best uh, ship in the U.S. Navy, the Battenberg Cup, including ships and submarines. The entire navy, yes, and That's... it was quite a quite an award. Um, the other day, um, he when I I visited out there uh, finally and got a chance to see the the boat again, and uh, I, I've I've had the chance to see it every two to three years depending on operational situations and uh, we got to talk and, and USS Minnesota is one, has one of the best reputations on the waterfront in, in Naval Station, Naval Submarine Base New London. When flag officers come in, when senior officers come in for briefing, they they request, uh, they're assigned, the squadron assigns to the USS Minnesota. In fact, the head of the British Navy was there this week.
0: And you actually got to go out on that boat for a couple of days a few years
6: back. In 2014, I did two days underway. Unbelievable. Must have been a great experience. Yeah, actually, it was a smoother ride than flying out there. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. We're speaking so. with Brian
0: Scott uh, from Minnesota's Navy League on Minnesota Military Radio. Now, Brian, we've got this, this Army NCO over here. You know, he was a command sergeant major. Can you explain to him the three steps of bringing a, a ship or a boat
6: to life? Sure. the uh, the The primary initial step is the keel authentication, and usually in the shipyard. In this case, uh, forty minutes north of Green Bay, uh, there were sections of the hull already built, but there was a ceremony where the ship sponsors, ship sponsor uh, Jody Green who uh, uh, who uh, well, they welded she wrote her initials and they welded it and that plate is welded into the keel. So that's the first called the uh, the keel authentication okay So then the second that was in 2017' keep notes so that was 2018 in February 2018. Um, in uh, June of 2019 was the christening and that's the official launch of the ship and uh quite a, quite an event uh in this case they're one of the only shipyards in the in the US that launches ships sideways it's quite an event and it's on youtube uh but that's the second which is the christening and that's when the ship sponsor uh smashes the champagne hull and it's officially named
0: and we're talking about the USS Minneapolis St Paul and that was over in Wisconsin
6: that was over that was also in in Wisconsin 40 minutes north of green bay um in, in Marinette, Wisconsin right on the the border with Michigan.
0: And then they do some sea
6: trials and so forth. They've done lake they've done trials on Lake Michigan yeah. and um, and uh, everything's good. Uh, so right now the ship is begun. The Navy took delivery of the ship in November. Um, that's the actual contract where they signed it and they now own the ship And then in January in two sections the crew half the crew has gone up and then in the in, in February there's a third section. Which will arrive, and by March first, all of the crew members from Florida will be up in in the ship, and it's located in Escanaba, Michigan, right now.
0: And the third step of bringing it to life, we're looking forward to uh, in May in that's right. Duluth, uh,
6: in the port of Duluth, um, on Pier number eight, will be the actual commissioning, and that's when Jody Green actually makes the order to bring the ship to life, and that is the final and most important ceremonial. Um, event in the life of this ship and to just, bring it into the fleet
0: and just as we witnessed out in norfolk a few years back when they brought the uss minnesota to life and all the sailors they run on the board bridge, run on board and and uh, now they own the ship it's theirs and let's go of course this is a ship the uss minnesota is referred to as a boat
6: that's correct
0: okay sergeant major you got all of that.
3: I'm just trying to wrap my head around why we have to go through all these steps. Let's just put it into action and make it happen, right? You know, I'm just used to this Army stuff. We're kind of simple. We just get our equipment and go. I'm sure they do something else behind the scenes, but I'm going to recap because I want you to know I was taking notes. So we're going to have a keel authentication, which has already taken place. The christening has already taken place, and now we're awaiting on the commissioning, and that is the official
6: order into action. That's right. When the when the when the Navy, when it becomes part, when it becomes an official United States ship, whenever you hear USS means United States ship, she is now known as pre commissioning unit. That was my next question. What do we call it right now? So pre commissioning, pre commissioning unit. She will be in May a United States ship USS Minneapolis, St. Paul.
0: And some of the crew is starting to be assigned to the USS Minneapolis-St. Paul now?
6: Yeah, like I said, in, in February, towards the end of February, uh, March 1st, the entire crew complement will be on board in Michigan.
0: So do we know who the commander is and who the chief of the ship is?
6: Commander Alph- Alfonso White is the commanding officer, and he is uh, uh, about 25 years in the Navy, and uh, and then um he's going to he's going to bring the he's going to be the first commanding officer and he's going to bring it to life
0: all right so he's looking forward to getting his crew and and getting them familiar with the ship and mm-hmm. and uh once uh, that commissioning is over uh they've probably got a lot of things they want to want to use that ship for
6: yeah when when they when the ship is commissioned then they'll bring it through the St. Lawrence Seaway into the Atlantic Ocean probably stop in Norfolk for some fuel and and uh, and foodstuffs, and then they'll take it to their home port of uh, Naval Station, Mayport, Florida.
0: Very good, gentlemen. We have to take a short break. We're speaking with Brian Scon from the Navy League of Minnesota about the commissioning of the USS Minneapolis-St. Paul, which is coming up in May this year in Duluth. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. My co-host in the, off- or in the studio today is Doug Wortham, and we've been speaking to Brian Scon, who is the current chair of the Minnesota Navy League's USS Minneapolis-St. Paul LCS Twenty One Commissioning Committee and the Vice President of Events, and Brian, it's good to have you back in the studio. Nice to get an update on the USS Minnesota before we go back into the USS Minneapolis Saint Paul. I want to ask you about your daughter. I understand uh, she's getting kind
6: of she's on a fast track for promotions. She's done well. She's she's uh, she's kind of uh, been a rock star in the U.S. Navy and uh, and and been recognized. Um, she was. Uh, she was authorized, her evaluations were so good on USS Gonzales that she was authorized for early promotion. As long as she passed the test, she passed the test, she received that early promotion to E6 uh, a year before she she normally would have. Now, is she up at the Great Lakes Training Center? Yeah, she, she was a quartermaster on USS Gonzales, her destroyer, and a quartermaster in the Navy, and this is for you Army guys, a quartermaster in the Navy's navigation.
3: Okay. Right. And so as crazy as that because they
6: they they combined a rate and they do they do flags and whatnot. so she was involved in navigation on a deployment to the fifth fleet uh sixth fleet, et cetera, and that's through the Suez Canal with her ship a couple of years ago, came back here for a yard period and then did some workups. And then she cycled off the ship and she is now an instructor in rate, meaning she's teaching the next generation of uh, quartermasters navigation at Naval Station Great Lakes right now.
3: Now, we all understand the E-grade the e process. What does that mm-hmm. translate to? Um, you know, so I was an E-9 command sergeant major in
6: E-6. It's is petty officer first class? Got it. Okay. And Fun so part she...
0: of this, Doug, is the year before she went in the Navy, in the wintertime, she ran her car off the road. The next year and he posted this dad posted this the next year she's driving a, a
6: uh, aircraft carrier she's steering <laughs> an true, aircraft huh? carrier and That's she didn't true.
0: drive it out of, out of the ocean either so.
6: <laughs> no she was she told me they she she was at helm and lee helm and lee helm is is managing um the speed with the engine room and it's kind of a, a coordinated um event um and so at and at the helm during flight operations she's she's at the helm as a nineteen year old during flight operations with super hornets and and uh seahawks uh launching and landing uh day and night so, up
0: fast in the military, sergeant major, yeah, and you've wow. got to take responsibility to get the job done, and she did too. We got to get back to work it's Roger fun that I'm talking about your daughter the u s s minneapolis saint Paul what type of ship is she How big
6: is it what's the compliment well she's a uh she's a Freedom class littoral combat ship, and littoral means near shore. The Navy built two classes of littoral combat ships. One is in uh, one was being built in Fincantieri Marin and Marine, you know, forty minutes north of Green Bay, which we've talked about. The other is a trimaran built in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, and so the, the the trimaran is actually. Most of them are homeported in San Diego. In our case, with the USS Minneapolis-St. Paul, will be homeported Naval Station uh, Mayport, Florida. She's about 387 feet long. She has two types of engines in it. One is for uh, 15 to 20 knots. The other one pushes it up to 45 to 50 knots, which is, I don't know the top speed that's classified. So this is shallow water, Fast, Yeah, and what's interesting, and I have actually been on uh, LCS-21 Minneapolis-St. Paul. Uh, they only draw about 13 feet of water fully loaded. They're, whatever the design is, they can get in close. Uh, their weapon systems um, are—everything's are, close. Everything's for near-shore operations.
0: So how many sailors aboard, and in what kind of a use, what kind of a job will they—
6: Well, they, typically, the... The, the crew complement is— a, Anywhere from seventy-five to ninety, they have uh, about seventy-five berths, and if they need additional crew, they actually bring Conex boxes on with berthing in them, and they put them in the in the in the cargo hold. So Doug, you can't dig a foxhole in a ship. You can't dig a foxhole in a ship.
0: <laughs> uh, he looks frustrated.
3: But <laughs> no, I'm okay. not frustrated. All right, so the Conex. Uh, how long could uh, the the ship sustain itself? without having to dock, to refuel, to replenish supplies. I mean, I know they could bring stuff out via air, but just self-sustaining. How long would that be? Do you know?
6: Well, it, it, it actually, from a fuel standpoint, it's probably every three to four days they get gas. Now, when I, when I say three to, four, three to four days, the Navy has an amazing, um, and their, their experience about it, they have USNS ships. Um, they're 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 crewed mostly by civilian mariners that do underway replenishments. So they will shoot a line across. They will run a line across for gas. They will um, use helicopters to land pallets of of food and supplies and whatever else they need uh, from one flight deck to another. And uh, literally they can go they can do that and be out for as long as is is orders require. Order yeah, I think that's one
3: thing. The the military's done pretty good about mastering logistics and the ability to replenish.
0: That's it, us, the using our merchant marine or whatever they call them today. Now we just got a few minutes left. I want to get to the commissioning. Sure. It's coming up. It's going to be in the Port of Duluth it's going to be in May. Can you tell us what do you your best guess? I know the Navy's in charge of this. What's your best guess of the order of the of the events?
6: Well what we're we want to be upfront with our population. There are public out there there. The Navy makes determinations on attendance on COVID transmission rates in the area at the time. And they make a determination. Navy medical Navy medical makes that determination. We have always said this is a public event and it always traditionally has been. So right now we have been told anywhere from a thousand people are allowed to four thousand. And that number is is not static right now. It's still a floating number due to that COVID transmission rate. Um, So it will be in the Port of Duluth. It will be in late May. It will be visible to the population. We are coming up with another plan, though, to have a family festival that we manage during commissioning with some sort of broadcast event in the Duluth area so we can manage that as well, and we can make it as public and as accessible as possible. The, the, The event itself will be live streamed.
0: So it's essentially going to be a Friday-Saturday event. You're in charge of Friday. The Navy's going to be in charge of Saturday.
6: The Navy owns Saturday. I've okay. been told that.
0: Yeah, but you're, the Friday event's going to be at the deck, the Duluth Entertainment and Convention Friday,
6: Center. Our Friday event will be at the Duluth Entertainment and Convention Center. We, are, we intend to use as many Duluth area vendors as possible for this event.
0: And if any of our listeners want to try to get to the event on Saturday... They have to apply for
6: this. They can't just show up. We have a registration process on our website, lcs21.org, lcs21.org. You put your name in. um, Typically, each registration gets four invitations from the Navy.
0: Okay. And, And as part of the commissioning committee, just like you did for the USS Minnesota, You've been raising funds for a few years for the USS Minneapolis-St.
6: Paul. We You're have. Still looking we've been, for sponsors and funds? We are. We're still looking for about $100,000 from our from corporate sponsors and individual.
0: Okay. We've got about a minute left. You want to just run us through those events and, and where to go one more time?
6: Once again, uh, to register uh, to be part of the public attendance at the event, it's lcs21.org. There's a registration page. And um, and we're going to get as many involved as possible Again, we're going to try a secondary event that will, that will likely happen, that will be a family festival that will be nearby. Uh, you should be able to see the ship anyway, and we'll be able to uh, um, still provide that. What's also interesting is the crew will be bringing up swag, branded, logoed clothing that you're going to want to get a hold of that, that will honor that ship. And it will be a fundraiser that will go directly to the crew and their morale – their MWR Fund, Morale, Welfare, and Recreation.
0: And you'll have some swag at the Navy League site as well. So if they miss it, they can still get a cap and they can still buy some stuff. From Absolutely. You. All right. Uh, Brian, I want to thank you for joining us again. And we look forward to seeing you up in Duluth because we're going to try to get up there and, and do a Minnesota military radio show just like we did with USS Minnesota. And we're going to do our best to help. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for being with us. That was uh, Brian Scon, who is the current chair of the Minnesota Navy League, USS Minneapolis-St. Paul, LCS-21 Commissioning Committee, and vice president for events. Joining me now from the flag line of the Minnesota Patriot Guard is Tim Leonard. Tim, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio.
4: Well, thank you, Tom. It's an honor to be here.
0: Tim, i got a special uh, co-host in the studio today, former State Command Sergeant Major Doug Wortham. I know you know him.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah, Tim, it's uh, it's great to hear your voice, and, and I get to start off by asking the first question here to All you. Right. Um, you know, it's always uh, great to welcome home our soldiers and our airmen, and I uh, understand that you have had quite a few missions here already in the past, well, since the beginning of the year. Why don't you tell us about that?
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, even in the, the this month, we've done seven welcome homes already this month so far.
0: Tim, oh. they're your favorite ceremonies. How come?
4: Oh. They are my favorite. I love going to a, the, the welcome homes. I love seeing the families re, re, reunited with their loved ones. And it's, you know, there's a reason we wear sunglasses, and it's not because it's sunny. We don't want everybody to see the tears we see when or when we have when we see that.
0: Of course, you and your guys go to as many departure ceremonies as possible, and that's pretty somber and pretty, uh, pretty serious. Uh, a yeah. lot more fun to welcome them home.
4: Oh yeah, it's a lot more fun. But it's an honor to be there when they when they deploy too because we we want to, them to know that ordinary people are out there and really appreciate what they're doing.
0: Doug, you've been deployed before, and, and uh, I've been to one of these departure ceremonies, and the room is surrounded by civilians carrying flags. It's the Minnesota Patriot Guard that's got to warm your heart.
3: Yeah, it sure does. And and I know for me personally, I always uh, try to make it a point to, to get over and, and thank uh, some of those Patriot Guard riders uh, just, just because they're there, and, uh, you know, the, the support that uh, they provide has just been unbelievable. And uh, being here when we go, being there when we come back, and uh, everything in between is just uh, fantastic. And so, Tim, uh, uh, we we do appreciate everything that Patriot Guard does.
4: Oh, thank you. It's an honor for us to do this.
0: Tim, how, does, uh, how do our listeners become a Patriot Guard
4: writer? Actually, just go to our webpage, which is mnpatriotguard.org. And uh, on the left side, it says join us and just click on the link and follow the instructions and we'll start letting you know when missions are.
0: So, Tim, for those of us uh, that uh, don't drive a motorcycle and uh, aren't Vietnam veterans, are we allowed to join too? Oh yes.
4: oh, yes. You don't have to have a motorcycle. We don't care how you get there. Uh, just show up to the mission with a 3x5 flag and a pole and some water, and we'll tell you what to do from there
0: on. Very good, sir. I hope we have a mild winter the rest of the winter, and you can get back on that motor scooter sooner than later.
4: (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: Thanks for joining us again today, Tim. Thank
4: you.
0: That was Tim Leonhardt from the Flagline of the Minnesota Patriot Guard. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Doug Hughes, Brian Sconn, Tim Leonhardt, from the Minnesota Patriot Card, my co-host, Doug Wortham, Commissioner Larry Herkey, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week as we talk about heart health at the Minneapolis VA and the Beyond the Yellow Ribbons reintegration events. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week.
5: Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeart Media, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.